Discovery, go at throttle up. Discovery 4 computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. Transmission coming in from the Starfleet Escape Podcast. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 107 and is being recorded on February the 21st, 2020. Today's topic, Starship Bridges. I'm Eric Dewey. And I'm Aaron Gallo. This episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover Designs and Illustration. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off your order. Well, hello, Aaron. How have you been? I'm glad that we're talking <laughs> about Star Trek. I know the feeling. Oh, it's yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. A lot of stuff just piling down. I know in your world too. So, yeah, it's good to talk. I mean, uh, people tuning in might be might have been expecting us to be talking about Star Trek Picard right now. Unfortunately, our co-host Eric Barry is uh, unable to join us tonight, so we've decided to hold off and. Uh, wait for him to be available to to talk about the last few episodes of Picard. So uh, don't worry, that is coming. We are going to be talking about that. But uh, tonight we just really wanted to, to sit down and talk some Trek still. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, bridges of starships instead, because those are always fun. We were just talking randomly about an aspect of one of my favorite bridges, and I believe one of Eric's favorite bridges uh, and we'll get into that. But first, we do have a couple of news bullets here. Ooh. So to start, Rebecca Romaine, that's how we say her name, uh, <laughs> revealed in a recent interview that she's still working on Star Trek, but can't talk about it. Ooh, secrets. Indeed. It's like she's part of the Romulan secret police or something. Ooh. <laughs> I think that that's fantastic news. Um, mm-hmm. I hope it's the the Pike series that we've all been wanting ever since Discovery Season 2. I think that Anson Mount was just absolutely fantastic as Pike, and that version of the Enterprise crew would be fantastic to watch tool around the galaxy for a couple of years. So I really hope it's that. Mm-hmm. It could be something smaller it could be voice work for a game or it could be you know something for a short trek or you know there's lots of things it could be Mm -hmm. other than a pike enterprise show but i still hope it's a pike enterprise show yeah like you said we've all been hoping for it and we get confirmation that there are multiple star trek projects in the pipeline yeah so I don't know. It seems like it would be the Pike series. I've, I've got my fingers crossed, honestly, that that's what it is. Because while the the downside to them doing a Pike Enterprise series is that they, they are putting themselves on a time limit. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the Pike series is set between certain dates and we already have established events that we know are going to take the Enterprise out of Pike's hands within a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that could go on for seven or eight seasons, or at least not easily. But then again, they can play around with time all they want to as far as... I'm not even talking about time travel. I'm just talking about the way they film stuff. Like, it doesn't have to be a season a year. You know, it, do, it mm-hmm. 
that's kind of an arbitrary thing that most TV shows do because it usually takes a year to put out a season. Mm-hmm. But that's not something that it has to be. I mean, if you look at uh, MASH, for example, um, MASH went, what, 11 seasons or something like that? Mm-hmm. And the Korean War lasted, what, three years? <laughs> so um, you have this series that takes place over the course of this this event that has a time limit on it, but uh, the show was still getting ratings, people were still watching it, so they continued making it, and they just kind of never really said exactly how much time was passing. And right. it's, it's entirely possible for them to do a season that actually occurs over a week or two. Right. And, you know, so it's possible that they could make things happen in a way that would give them more time. Mm-hmm. But that's really the only negative aspect I can think of that would prevent them from doing the show is, is just that constraint. And the fact is, um, Hey, we've already figured out a way around that guys. So we know you're listening executives of Star Trek <laughs> as, as you always are to us. Right. And, um, now we've given you your way out. We've given, we've given you, <laughs> given you your way. So, so get on it. <laughs> Indeed. And another quick bullet that I found on the Twitter Apparently, one of the Picard producers, uh, Goldsman, says that they consider the animated series to be year four of the original series, and that it is canon. So they can pull references from the animated series. How do you feel? I know you haven't seen the animated series, or a couple of episodes. Yeah, I've never seen the whole thing. Um, I may have to watch it if... if in the future, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm assuming that they didn't pull from that for season one, unless this was like a hint that something is going to be coming up in the next couple episodes that we're not going to recognize unless we've seen the animated series. This bullet comes from a tweet from Trekcore. Mm. They in that thread, uh, they also mention that a female that has Maddox in the most recent Picard episode. Mm. was originally supposed to be a Cation, so a cat, uh, one of the cat species, and that was originally in... Not Asian, as I thought during Discovery, as I <laughs> think I was making a really racist joke. <laughs> <laughs> right, I forgot about that. Um, I was like, did he just make an Asian math joke? That Like, that ain't right. And then it was upon the second rewatch, I'm like, oh, he said Cation, okay, I got it, I got it. yeah. <laughs> little species but not yeah, well not nearly as bad as i thought it was yeah so that was a reference from the original series because they in i'm sorry the animated series i i've watched the animated series a couple of times through i have the dvd set when it came out um when did it come out maybe in 2006 okay so i watched it and uh, they have different crew members that you might not be aware of. Um, there was a Cation, and there was another the interesting the arm out of like coming straight out of his chest. Right. I, I forget what species he is, but yeah, wasn't Big Bird on there? <laughs> there was a bird. I don't, I don't think the bird was a member of the crew, though. Oh, it was just a random. It was just an alien. It was yeah. that was just a crossover with uh, Sesame Street. <laughs> it just had Big Bird on. Well, it was um, Saturday I have, morning. I, I only know about that one because I haven't actually watched any of the episodes with that character, but I have 
that bird character in Star Trek timelines. Mm. <laughs> so I was oh, like, okay. I'm like, and I have the three armed guy in, uh, in my, in my timelines as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I know what these are from, but yeah, so I might have to, to watch that. I mean, it is on CBS all access, so I right. can't watch it at any given time. And, uh, check it out. So, because who knows? Maybe there'll be a little tidbit that'll uh, that'll come up in Picard later on, either this season or next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there are some interesting aspects from the anime series. I don't know if you want me to give anything away. I'm I'm fine with with spoilers. Okay, it's, it's like, been like my four gosh, years. Anime series. <laughs> so they have what is essentially a holodeck in. Uh, the animated series. Uh, they call it the Rec Room, I believe. So that's uh, pretty interesting. And they also have these magical belts <laughs> that they can wear that create an atmosphere around them and they can transport down uh, without any EV suits on. So they can go out in space or go into situations where they normally couldn't. So they have the uh, space suits from Guardians of the Galaxy, is what you're saying. Guardians of the Galaxy have the space suits from the animated series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that's cool. That That's kind of cool. I actually don't mind them having some more advanced technology because, again, I've I've always been of the opinion that the technology we see on screen is a representation not only of what we think technology is going to be like in the future, but it's also a representation of what is currently available to us in technology wise and what's available to us in the technology of filmmaking, mm-hmm. which when we're dealing with an animated series, you have a lot more leeway when it comes to uh, different species. You know, at that time, when when the animated series came out, it would have been very, very hard for them to have a three-armed character right because you would have essentially had just a regular humanoid character with a fake arm sticking out of their chest that maybe had a couple of cables attached to it to make it move a little like it would have been so cheesy Mm -hmm. it would have been ridiculous like nowadays they could probably pull it off between cgi and practical effects they could probably pull that off in today's series but in those times the only way to do that was was animated. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't mind that at all. And and the idea of having a little bit of advanced technology, that actually, I think, helps tie things back together with the more advanced technology we saw in Discovery, which I was also fine with. Although I do have... Um, I didn't put it in the, in the notes because this show was a little... Uh, uh, a little thrown together uh, quickly because uh, we were originally going to be doing something else. But I do have, if you don't, mm-hmm. I do have something that puts my quantum state into flux. Oh, later. okay. Um, is that, that ties kind of a little bit into this conversation. So all right, remind me about that because I, I do have a little bit of something for that. But yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and watch the animated series now. I'm sure it'll be good for a couple of laughs. And if if nothing else, maybe I'll get that... Uh, you know, I'll get that little tidbit later on in Picard when they drop something. I'll be like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe something that's already happened and I just haven't noticed. I, I didn't know because it was from the animated series. You know, who knows? Right. There's a, actually, um, I don't know. Have you seen Yesteryear? Was that one of the episodes you watched? I don't know the titles. So you have to. It's the episode where they go back to the Guardian of Forever 
and Spock has to go back to meet his younger self. I feel like, yes, that may have been one of the ones that I watched, okay. but I don't remember it. I definitely know one of the episodes I watched dealt with time travel in some form. Okay, I feel like that would... It, it. it was probably that one, but I don't remember it well, so... It, it was it was good. Um, that's actually one of the ones that most people consider canon, because it has... It deals with, if you remember, in the 2009 movie where Spock is being made fun of by a group of kids. Yeah. That is in uh, this episode. Oh, okay. You know, it obviously looks different, and they're wearing, like, flimsy clothing. I, I I can't remember exactly what it looked like, but in my head, I'm thinking Bam Bam <laughs> from the Flintstones. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that might not be, that might not be it, but... Vulcans are like, well, logically, we have a very moderate climate, so all we need to do is cover the naughty bits. And we're good to go. Exactly. No need for anything else. Except that isn't most of Vulcan a desert, which means you'd want to cover up to prevent sun exposure. But, details. details. Uh, it's animated. It's animated. It's all good. Yeah. They had to appeal to the crowd that was watching. They're, they're literally going from the Flintstones to Star Trek, the animated series. They need some, they need some cohesion. They need something to like, oh, yeah, okay. This is a cartoon <laughs> I'd watch. Right, exactly. So, moving on to my favorite segment of every show. All right. Would you buy it? I have to say no on this one mm -hmm. for a couple of reasons. Not because it's not cool. Mm -hmm. It is actually pretty cool. But two things. A, I've never really been into this sort of thing. It's not really been my thing. Mm-hmm. I know people who are really big into this and are Star Trek fans who would probably jump all over this. Um, but it's not really been my thing. And the price. This is not a cheap item right. by any stretch of the imagination. I'm. It very well may be worth the price. I'm not saying that it's overpriced necessarily because I don't know what these type of things should be worth. But it's definitely more than I could afford to spend on a collectible item mm -hmm. and especially one that doesn't really tick my boxes for something to collect. Um, right. That being said, it looks pretty cool. And like I said, if I were into that sort of thing, I would be, I might be interested. Uh, what about you? Would you buy it? I am very, 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 very tempted. Really? The only issue is the price. It is well beyond my acceptable range but maybe <laughs> <laughs> it is a fairly high dollar item although looking at the mm -hmm. descriptions um it does look like it, it it looks like you get a significant amount of product mm -hmm. for the price but like i said it's just not uh it's not the type of thing that i would be uh, it wouldn't fit really in any of my collections because mm -hmm. it's not something that that i'm into but it's it's a really cool idea, and I know there's a lot of people out there who are into that sort of thing and would like it. Mm -hmm. So, based on the fact that it is such a niche item, I think that's probably why the cost is so high. Because they're not going to sell a ton of these. There's not going to be a ton of people out there who are into both of these uh, fandoms, basically. Star mm -hmm. Trek and 
this thing. So, um, but those of those who do cross over might be willing to pay this for for this item. Yeah, it's actually not that crazy priced for what it is. So, what uh, we'll say what it is. It's a Star Trek Lion Chief set. Uh, so it's a Star Trek train set. Uh, it's priced at just about four hundred and fifty dollars. That was that was the first place they lost me. Um, <laughs> but like I said, I I don't. I'm not a train guy. I've never really mm-hmm. been big on the train thing. I had. I think I had a little train set when I was a kid, but even then, I was more into like cars and things like that rather than trains. Mm-hmm. But I had friends who were really big into the train thing. Like they had lots of train sets and they had all the different tracks you could put together and, you know, they had a ton of fun with them. So I can absolutely imagine that somebody who was into trains and into Trek would love this. It really does look very well made. I'm not saying, you know, don't get my reticence to buy this. Uh, don't don't think that that means that it looks cheap in any way. It looks really nice. One of the very cool things is that there is a holodeck animated car. So as the train is riding around the track, the graphic on the car, on that car changes. It's cool. It's very, very cool. So when my father passed away, uh, it was around Thanksgiving time. So right before Christmas, um, be, it'll be 10 years this Thanksgiving. When he passed away, I was really, really into decorating for Christmas, just as a way to keep my mind off of things. So one of the first things I did was go out and buy just a cheap train set to put around my tree. And even it's plastic, it's not that great. I still have it, and that was like $50. It's just cheap uh, plastic. So this thing being metal and all that it can do, it's priced fairly well. I've looked at other uh, Lionel trains and metal ones. Like there, they, there's a Polar Express one, and mm-hmm. I think that one was a hundred and fifty, and but it doesn't do everything that this can do. Right. Yeah, it it's a really cool looking thing, and like I said, anybody who's into trains, and you know, if you're into trains and into Star Trek, this looks like it could be really cool. It's reminiscent of what was that TNG episode where the uh, intelligent computer was trying to take over the Enterprise to get to Vertiform City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The title of the uh, episode, but it was rem- it's reminiscent of that when they were on the train in the holodeck trying mm-hmm. to out what was going on mm-hmm. and so i think it's kind of cool that it does tie into something that actually happened on star trek so yeah it, it's a pretty cool looking thing and if it were you know if somebody gave this to me i'd be like hell yeah this is awesome <laughs> but yeah. uh, for the price it's definitely not something that i could uh justify the purchase of personally but uh again not knocking the product not saying that it's not worth it because for an actual collector of these type of things, it probably is well within the price range uh, that they would expect for this type of item. I I would imagine Mm -hmm. if you can afford it, I would definitely say get it. And if you can afford two, uh, (laughs) and then I can uh, determine whether or not I think it was worth it. (laughs) Exactly. 
so let's talk about the bridges of Starfleet ships. Yes, the bridge of of really any ship. I mean, that's it's the command center. It's mm-hmm. where everything happens. And for most of the for most of the TV shows, it's the primary set of right. any given episode. Yeah, they they go to a lot of other places. You see hallways, you see quarters, you see the, the holodeck obviously gives us a lot of opportunities. And then, of course, there's away missions where we see different planets and stuff like that. But the one thing that's constant in almost every single episode is the bridge. Mm-hmm. We almost always see the bridge. I can't offhand think of any TOS or TNG or Voyager episodes that we didn't at least see the bridge in the episode at some point. Right. If if I'm wrong, if there's an episode out there that you guys remember, please let us know because I would love to to have like a list. Obviously, Deep Space Nine was a little different because they didn't have a bridge, but they did have ops, which was essentially their version of the bridge. And I think there may have been a few episodes that we didn't see ops, but that's because they were off doing other things, in which case we usually would see the bridge of the Defiant or... Right. The bridge, one of the runabouts or, you know, we, we saw some other version of the bridge at some point. Deep Space Nine, a lot of stuff happened on the promenade and at Quarks and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, you had a lot more locations that could be considered central. But for, for all of the ship-based shows, the bridge is a very important set piece. And for some of them, it's just a wonderful place that looks inviting, a place that you want to be. And other ones, not so much. Some of them seem cramped and crowded. Others seem too spacious. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much space in between the different stations. So, so yeah, a lot of different designs. I mean, you, you think of a, a Starship bridge and there's a basic premise right. that all of them have. You have the captain's chair somewhat centralized. Mm-hmm. Then you have your your op station and your con station, usually forward of the captain, to the left and the right. And then tactical can vary. Oh, yeah, widely. Tactical can be up behind the captain to the left or to the right or directly behind. Sometimes tactical is right to the right or left of, of the captain's chair. So that seems to, to be the one. Tactical and science, I think, mm-hmm. are the ones that... They kind of fluctuate. They can be kind of, kind of all over the place. Right. So let me ask you: out of the all of the Star Trek shows that we've seen, all of the primary, let's let's start with just with the primary bridges the, for the ships that were either the titular ships of the show or the mm-hmm. the primary ships of the show. What is your favorite bridge out of all? So if we're just gonna go with TV shows and exclude movies. You can I'm, include movies if you want, as long as it's the primary bridge of the... Because we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, like, other ships' bridges okay. and stuff too a little bit. But I, I'm talking about just, like, the primary bridge. If it's the the Enterprise bridge or the Discovery bridge or the Voyager bridge, you know, that sort of... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel you. So, I'm going to go with two. I'm going right. So... <laughs> Your show, you, you make the rules. You're, you're yeah. Break- Oh, you do what you want. <laughs> so I'll say my favorite bridge design is the Enterprise D. 
mainly because that's what I grew up with, I think. But the one bridge that I always look fondly at and always look at and be like, I wish I was there, is the bridge of the Enterprise A from Star Trek VI. It has to be the co uh, color scheme as it was in six. It can't be five. It has to be six. <laughs> well, that's because uh, five didn't exist. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. There was no Star Trek Five. <laughs> I'm. I'm blanking. They. They just skipped from four to six, didn't they? I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, I. I no, I feel you. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. The the in six it was definitely better than in five. Um, still definitely not my favorite. I I I agree with you on your first favorite. Mm -hmm. The Enterprise D bridge, I feel, was that was my bridge, mm -hmm. and not just because. I mean, obviously, I grew up with, on TNG. I've I've talked about many times that TNG was definitely my favorite Trek because I grew up with it. I grew up watching it as it aired with my mom. Mm -hmm. But when I look at the bridge of the Enterprise D compared to other bridges on pretty much every other starship that we've seen, the D bridge just looks so much more like a place that I'd want to be. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about, you know, that's kind of what, what brought up the conversation, as a matter of fact, was the 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 classiness of it. The fact that you had, you know, yes, it's all future, it's all tacky, it's, it's a starship bridge, but you had these nice wood accents, and they weren't overdone, but they were just enough. You had these pieces that were rounded no sharp edges mm -hmm. and i really felt that also like going a little bit deeper into the psychology of it too i really felt that yes while you had the captain centrally located as he should be it wasn't like so many other bridges that we see where the captain sits alone i right. hate seeing the captain sit completely alone by himself i loved that on the d the first officer's chair and the other, they were right next to him. Mm -hmm. Yes, he was center, but the other chairs were right next to him. Like, it just it just speaks to me more like this is a team. This is right. a, a crew, and he relies on these people. They're his, you know, his right-hand man, literally, his first officer is right there at his right hand. Not... Mm -hmm across the room somewhere at a different station or, you know, three feet away in a separate chair right there. Plus just the, you know, the look of everything. I really like to look, especially after season one, when they made the chairs like not be so reclined. Right. Uh, I get ergonomically like they were trying to go for this, like in the future, everything's sleek and everybody lies down while they're running the spaceship, but it looked weird. Um, but the season two, uh, ops and con chairs on were, were a lot better. But I just really liked it, and I felt that it had the right combination of space. It had that open space in between the captains and, and all their chairs and con and ops for dramatic walking towards the screen. Yeah. But not too much space. There wasn't <laughs> just this expanse of, like, why is all this space? Like, this is a starship. Like, utilize that space somehow mm -hmm. but there was just enough of it and i also really liked the way tactical was set up behind the captain's chair um and then they had the science stations back there with the chairs that like pushed into the wall when they weren't being used like 
I just thought a lot of care and attention went into the design of that bridge. And it it really paid off, I think, for them, especially since yeah. in that show especially, that really was uh, the central set piece for so many episodes. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Uh, have you seen any of the art or making of Star Trek, the next generation books? Uh, yeah, I've seen a couple of them. I don't own any, but I've, I've seen a couple. So in that uh, center area, what we're left with are, you know, the captain and Riker and Troy sitting there. That area was originally going to be like a conference table area. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they kind of abandoned that because it was going to be less less militaristic. Like this bridge still has that that feel of this is a a military ship even though it also feels kind of like a cruise liner. One of my favorite features of the bridge is that it includes ramps on the sides. Yeah. So from the turbo lift you come in and then there's ramps down to the command area and the helm and ops area. Yeah. Pretty much every other show has stairs. So in in season one, we have the Admiral there, whose name escapes me. It's not Admiral Aaron, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the the one that, like, takes uh, some drugs and starts to age backwards. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, and he starts out when he first comes on the ship. He's in a wheelchair. Well, it's a hover chair, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't have been possible on like any other bridge, <laughs> right? <laughs> because of the uh, because of the stairs, or the the step down. Maybe not not stairs so much as just a step down into into the the main area. So they would have been restricted to just like okay, they can come off the turbo lift and like on the uh, the original series Enterprise, you know, someone in a chair of that sort would be restricted to just they'd be able to go to the science stations on either side of the turbo lift. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's if there was enough space between the chairs and the and the railing into the into the main area. Right. Because I don't know if there was or not because I don't think those chairs tucked away like the chairs at the right. back of the Enterprise D. So um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of care and thought I felt went into the design of that bridge, mm-hmm. and and it showed. So I really, I, I really appreciate that. Like even going back, like, you know, I recently rewatched all of the next gen movies in addition to rewatching next gen for in, in preparation of watching Picard. Mm-hmm. And every time I watch it, I am more disappointed in the bridge of the enterprise E <laughs> after, <laughs> after coming off the D the enterprise E was a beautiful ship, but I was always disappointed in the bridge because they went back to that captain sits alone style that we see so often which i mean for some things that makes sense in a more militaristic federation that definitely makes sense but i think in the federation of the next gen years the d's bridge really uh stood out as something that epitomized what the federation was supposed to stand for at that time Mm -hmm. that this was more exploration and the captain relied on his crew to help him. It wasn't just him bossing them around. He was 
they were all part of a team. And I really felt that, you know, just everything about that bridge just kind of signified that, I felt. But there were some cool bridges. I really like the fact that the the battle bridge on the D uh, yeah. still had a little bit of that, but yet brought it a little bit more militaristic, mm-hmm. which made sense. Like, okay, so if you're in this bridge, it's because something's going down. Right. You know, that you're only here if something's happening and you need to be. So it made sense for it to be smaller, more compact, everything more close together, more controlled. Everybody had controls because who knows if, you know, you know, those can, can all of those con panels are made out of explosives for some reason. So <laughs> and filled with rocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, well, see, actually, we've uh, developed the technology. The electronics of these panels is like is is, is is the size of a peanut. So we just filled the rest of the space with C4 and rocks. Right. You yeah. Because <laughs> that's that's what we do. <laughs> But yeah, the, in the battle bridge, it made sense for there be more controls for each station because you never knew if you were going to have to take over the responsibilities of somebody mm. else who mm. got hurt, right? Because of that that style. Whereas with the with the D, yes, the captain did have some controls available to him, but they were tucked away. Mm-hmm. He had to open that panel to get to them because most of the time he didn't well. Need them. That was season one, Captain Chair. After that, the panel was like, it was just like propped up at an angle with just the screen, which I liked much better than the season one uh, Captain Chair. The the chair I liked better. Again, they, they did a better job with the chairs, I think, after season one. But I did like the idea that that control panel for the captain was covered. Mm. I, I, I really liked the fact that he had to open that up to get to it because norm, you know, again, with the idea that the captain's going to have a crew to do those things for him. Mm-hmm. Yes. The ship is so largely automated that ultimately if he needed to, he could run the entire ship from that chair. But I liked the idea that it wasn't set up for him to always do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and in every other, every other ship, I think we've seen, those exposed controls, which, I mean, I get that as well. You know, captains by nature probably want to be in control. They probably want to have those, at least the readouts there. Mm-hmm. So they know what's going on, whether or not they're actually inputting the controls or not. Yeah. That, that's actually one of the things I liked about the defiant bridge was on either side of Cisco, there were larger panels control panels on flanking him and that made sense for the defiant because it was built as a warship Mm -hmm. i mean that was designed as a fighter so uh again like i said you want to make sure that the captain has the ability to run the entire ship from that chair if he needs to so yeah it, it didn't bother me at all on the defiant um it made sense and i think it made sense to not have that on the enterprise and it made sense to have that on the Defiant because they're different ships designed for different things. Mm-hmm. And I like that they take the care to do that, that. They don't make every ship's bridge exactly the same regardless of what type of ship it is. We didn't really get to see the bridge of some of the non-exploration you know, ships. Yeah, we didn't get. To, we never really got to see the, the bridge of like a medical frigate or something like that to see how they designed that. 
so we, we don't know if they took that same care. Well, we have, um, I think the only example of a medical bridge would be from All Good Things with yeah. uh, Beverly's ship. Yeah, but even that, that was, while it was a medical ship, that was a medical ship from a federation that was poised for war at any moment. True. Because, because so much stuff was going on. So I don't think, I, I feel like that was, that bridge seemed a little bit more militaristic, but I think it was based on what was happening in the universe at that time. You know, mm -hmm. what's going on in the galaxy. They, they never know if that medical ship is going to have to go into a battle zone to to assist medical aid. And therefore, you know, it, it may need to, to have that that control. Oh, random thought. I would like to see the USS Pasteur captained by Beverly Crusher in Star Trek Picard <laughs> at some point in time. Oh, that would be awesome. I, I'm very curious as to whether or not in the official timeline anything happened between Picard and Crusher. Mm -hmm. And they're going to explore that at any point in Picard. Because we know, obviously, in All Good Things, that they got married and then they got divorced. But that obviously was a timeline that never actually took place. Right. So it's curious as to whether or not, like, is that something that was explored? Obviously, he's living alone at the Chateau when we meet him in Picard. Mm -hmm. But there's still, what, 18 years unaccounted for that we don't know about. And even in the comics, they didn't, the, the comics for the, 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 the lead up into Picard only focused on Picard and Raffi and specifically the Romulan evacuation. Mm -hmm. It didn't really, it didn't go into anything deeper than that. So unless it's in novels, which I haven't read yet or haven't been released yet, there's not really anything there but it would be definitely interesting to see if that's something that was ever explored. So besides, uh, so we, we, we've talked about our favorite. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we both love the Enterprise D bridge. There are other bridges that were nice and other bridges that felt, I, I felt that the bridge of the Voyager was okay. okay. Like I didn't hate it, but it was it didn't stand out to me either it it didn't feel like a place that i'd like want to be but it also <laughs> didn't it didn't like off put me either so uh -huh. it's it's kind of weird it was it was set up a little bit more like uh the enterprise where the captain's chair wasn't all by itself sitting in the middle of the room yeah, very awkward i thought but then yeah you did have those the the common op stations were so like closed off from each other and then the science stations were like way up higher like sitting above everything and it just it just seemed weird positioning for them i think that's the part that got me like the actual like the lower part of the bridge i mm -hmm. thought was okay but it was those science stations uh where kim and tuvok said i was like eh, i don't i don't like those as much but mm -hmm. it didn't upset me it was just kind of like eh, i'm not really not really digging this that much but let me ask this Sure. Out of all of the, and just the main ships that mm -hmm. we've seen thus far, uh, we, we can talk about some of the other ships and various different aliens and, and such that we've seen throughout the series. But of the main ships that we've seen thus far, what is your least favorite bridge design? My least favorite bridge design. 
you might have just talked about it. I'm, I think I'm going to have to go with Voyager, and I'm sorry, Eric Berry. I know <laughs> you're not here to defend Star Trek Voyager, and this isn't to knock the series at all. Just as a bridge design, going from the next-gen bridge to this bridge, it just seemed a lot darker. The tones were darker. I wasn't a fan of all the gray. We go from like the tan and kind of like a brighter color palettes to to just these darker colors. I I did not dig the captain and first officer how they were kind of like offset. I know they were trying to do something different. I know they weren't they didn't want to copy the next generation bridge. I and I get that, but mm. I, I don't know. And Tom Paris was down there by himself, right? Yeah, because Harry Kim was the operations officer, and that was behind. Yeah, he was up on the other side of uh, Tuvok for whatever reason. I never understood right. that either. Yeah, Harry so. He was never promoted because he was never in front of Janeway for her to actually see what, what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's all. I did kind of like the the helm it was like bigger set piece compared to the other helm uh stations i did like that station better than on the enterprise e those square stations yeah, did not like those did not all. like those those were terrible too much and too everything too spread out it's like okay if you're it made sense actually more on Voyager than it did on the Enterprise E because you only had the one person down there working them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he needed access to all those controls. But when you had two people side by side with like completely encased in controls, it's like, how, how are they going to, what happens if they need to hit something that's over here on their left side and something that's over here on their right side? Like they can't see both of those. Like what's going on here? Right. See, I completely agree with you. Those were terrible. Voyager, at least it made a little bit of sense because it was kind of a one-man show instead of two people down there, mm -hmm. which is probably part of the reason I didn't like it because it's it's always been two. It's it's always oh. been two. And right. you know, if you think about it, and then all of a sudden they come along, and yeah, it's just he's just kind of out there. But yeah, I, I can see that. Like I said, I, it was definitely wasn't my favorite. I didn't hate it, hate it. I was just kind of indifferent to it. I think okay. it's down to um, it didn't it didn't strike me as a place that I'd want to be. But I didn't look at it with disgust either necessarily. Okay, so let me ask you this: What did disgust you? <laughs> well, my least favorite bridge design of all of the bridges that we've seen in uh, Trek shows thus far for primary ships. And I say this with a ton of love for the actual show itself, but I really don't like the bridge design. And that's the discovery. Wow. It's okay. way, way too open. Mm -hmm. There is too much space in that bridge. Why could I mean, you could play a football game on that bridge. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that seems to be a running problem with Discovery is the amount of space, just like those Doctor Who turbo lifts. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, it's just, I mean, honestly, like, seriously, like, there is a good, you know, like, 100 feet between the turbo lift doors at the back of the bridge and the view screen, and nothing in between it except the captain's chair. Mm-hmm. There is nothing between the turbo lift door and the ca- and the and the view screen except the captain's chair, which sits there all by itself. Your when your science officer has to take a walk to come over and tell you something, you know, it's like, like wow, that is there's just a ton of space on that bridge, and you've got these just just wide open spaces, and now uh, to his credit, Jason Isaacs took very good advantage of that space in his scenes mm-hmm. uh, in season one, uh, especially when they were doing the battle demonstrations and he's up out of his chair and, you know, directing stuff. And, you know, it really, it made a good impact. It was, it was well acted, but I still just, I think a starship bridge should be a little bit more compact. I don't mind having some space. Mm-hmm. You know, there should be enough space where you don't feel cramped and people can move around freely, but, the Discovery Bridge just there's so much wasted space there. I feel it's like this is a this is a starship. Like they have they have to build these. <laughs> like right. where is all this space? This is the flattest ship we've ever seen, and yet they've got all this room for just ridiculous turbo lifts and a bridge the size of a fo- football field. It's it's mm-hmm. insane. So yeah, I would I would say that uh, so far. The Discovery Bridge is probably my my least favorite of all of the primary Starship bridges. Okay, I I definitely see that, and point's definitely well taken. There is so much room on that bridge, especially since they're utilizing so many holographic displays and stuff. Which I'm I'm okay with that part, because again, we're we're looking at this from a perspective of what do we think the future is going to look like right now. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't that's not the same as what we thought the future was going to look like in the 60s. Right. So I get the holographic displays and the touchscreen displays. I'm fine with that. But it makes everything even that much more open because you have these instead of actual panels, you just have holographic displays out in the open. And, you know, people are like, ooh, do 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 in the air. It's like, OK, that's great and everything. But why do you need so much space for that? Right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I think, my biggest complaint about it. I think if you compacted that bridge a little bit, it wouldn't be so bad. I don't like that first ship that was built as a science ship. The, the science officer stations both are standing. Like, mm. that's odd to me. Like, that seems more of a thing that you would have your tactical stations being standing on a battleship. If the ship had been built while the war was happening then that would make sense. But the, the ship was built before the war started. So it wasn't designed as a battleship. So some of the aspects of it, it, it just seems like, I don't know, it just, it, little things. I love the show. I mm-hmm. absolutely love the show. And I love the design of the ship in general. But if we're talking about bridges, yeah, not <laughs> not a huge fan of the Discovery Bridge. I'm glad that uh, we see so much more of other parts of the ship. We're, we're not spending so much time on the bridge of the Discovery as compared to other shows. Right. So if we can backtrack slightly and talk about the Enterprise A okay. uh, bridge, one of the reasons why I like that bridge are the colors on that bridge. The back panels, there was some like 
deep maroon color uh, panels back there. The interface design with the blues and the greens, uh, I just love that interface design. I like the Lacaris design from the next gen, but those displays in Star Trek VI, I, I, I love me some of that. Uh, design and um that's that's all i want to talk about <laughs> that's all i have to say about that i was gonna i'm trying to uh it's it's actually been a while since i've seen six because when i did my you know my most recent watch through was next gen and then from generations forward to prepare for picard mm-hmm. so it's actually been a little while since i've seen that and so i'm, I'm actually just doing a quick Google right now to see, to remind myself of what that bridge looked like from, from Star Trek Six. I'll pull up an illustration and I will send it to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking real quick at a uh, at an image. And yeah, I see I see what you're talking about with it. It's, you know, you've got the, the kind of silver. It's a little bit lighter than the, you know, you can kind of see where Voyager maybe pulled its grays from, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit lighter, a little bit brighter, almost a little more metallic than than Voyager, but I still like that the fact that you have your con and op stations are the one station with two seats, like right. almost like the original Enterprise. They hadn't s- separated those yet. Um, it still has the captain's chair all by itself, which is not my favorite thing, but it makes sense on the Enterprise A because the Enterprise original also had the, the captain's chair by itself. So it's... I dig it. And then, of course, I mean, you do have the the raised section, you know, above everything else. And then you have to step down to to the uh, the main area. But most of the bridge, other than basically the areas that you have to step down to are areas that don't have any actual controls. Mm -hmm. If you notice, like all the actual control area, even ops and con are not, I think there's one step down, if I'm looking at this diagram correctly, there's one step down to get to the con and ops position. Um, and then all the rest of the steps go down further than that, but there's nothing down there. Right. <laughs> they have to get to. That's just for, you know, the captain to wander around dramatically in front of the view screen if he, if he needs to. <laughs> um, I like how they have readouts, like, all the way up to the ceiling, um, all mm-hmm. the way around. You know, it, it makes it more it makes it feel more like a control center of a ship, which is what a, what a bridge should be, um, which, again, is another reason why I liked the D is that it had that just in that back. Like the rest of the, the bridge was kind of calm and relaxed, but they did have that back area that was just all control panels. And it was uh, and they had the chairs that pulled out of the wall. So if people needed to sit and do work, they had that that power available to them without it being necessarily, you know, just all there all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I can, I can see why you like that bridge. It's not, uh, not a bad design at all. I kind of dig it. I feel again that that was during a time when they were a little bit more, they weren't at war, but they were poised for it. They were at a time oh. in generation when things could have kind of gone either way. <laughs> so having a ship that was a little bit more militaristic in its, bridge design didn't not make sense mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes any sense at all 
So now we've discussed uh, the primary ships, the ships that we, we've seen uh, on a daily basis, basically, on these shows. I want to know, what's your favorite bridge design that you've seen on a ship that wasn't the primary ship of a show? It doesn't have to be a Starfleet ship. It can be an alien ship. It can be any mm. any other ship on a Star Trek show whatsoever, even if we only saw it once. Okay. Let's see. A non-primary... Huh. Deep questions. Let me see. <laughs> um, Deep well... thoughts. Jack. <laughs> yes, I do. I think I'm going to go with another... Uh, another ship from Star Trek VI, the Excelsior, commanded by Sulu. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the Excelsior, I'm saying it so terribly, but that ship from uh, Star Trek Three, that bridge design's terrible. But <laughs> when we jump to Star Trek VI, it's, uh, it's quite an interesting design. It's similar to the Enterprise A bridge with the the raised platform kind of and it's surrounded by the the railings and we have ops and con well i don't know if they have actual ops station uh it might be navigation and and helm but one of the most interesting features about this bridge is that little table that sulu can rest his tea on <laughs> And I I loved that teacup. I want that teacup. <laughs> and we learned from Star Trek Voyager, Tuvok gave him that I, cup of tea. I, I was about to say I want Tuvok <laughs> to deliver tea to me in my captain's chair. That's that's what I want. <laughs> but yeah, it's cool, and it has that system display in the back, which is also pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, how about how about you? What what is your uh, I think my, my favorite bridge design from not a primary ship would actually be the Klingon bridge oh. design that we see in the, um, uh, in, forgive me, I forget what class of Bird of Prey it uh -huh. is. We see it, um, it's very similar. I don't know if it's the exact same class of Bird of Prey, but we see a very, very similar bridge in um, TNG episode where uh, Riker is the exchange officer. Mm. Very, very similar to the bridge that we see on the on the HMS Bounty in mm. Star Trek IV. I, again, I don't know if those are the exact same class ships or if the, the bridge is exactly the same. But what I really like about them is the fact that it is so different from Federation bridges. Mm -hmm. And it really is. It makes so much more sense in a Klingon hierarchy to have that type of bridge where the captain's chair is not only alone, but it's raised above everybody else. Everyone mm -hmm. else below the captain. The captain is at the highest point. You also don't see any wasted space. Everything is close together as it needs to be. There's no room for walking around or lollygagging. You're, you're at your station, you're doing your job. That's all you're doing. And it's it's very, very Klingon. It's not a place that I'd want to hang out. I'm, I, you mm -hmm. know, it's not like the, the Bridge of the D where I'd be like, that's a place I want to be. But it makes sense for the aliens that we're talking about and the 
the way that they would design a ship. I just felt that it was really, really well done the way they designed those ships to be like, here it is. It's, it's a bridge. The captain's in charge, so he's above everything else. But everything else is literally as minimalist and effective. Everything is purposeful. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the way that that's designed. Um, I felt they kind of missed the boat a little bit on some of the Romulan ships we've seen. Okay. We've seen some Romulan bridges that I just didn't feel conveyed what we expect from from Romulans. Okay. I mean, on, honestly, up until Picard, I think the Romulans have been underused, honestly. They've always been this this vague threat off in the distance with very little to back that up. We've, we so rarely see them. It's always just this, oh, the Romulans. Oh, my God, the Romulans. Mm-hmm. But then we never see them. Or we see them for like one episode and then they're done. So I'm really glad that we're getting a deeper look at the at the Romulan culture and the, the history behind all that in Picard. But as far as the ships go, based on what we know of them, I would expect them to be... I guess I would just expect them to be different than what we've seen. Right. Uh, you know, and we've only seen a few Romulan bridges, but the ones we've seen seemed just kind of generic as far as, you know, the set design goes. I, I felt that they weren't that much different than anything else that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like it would have really been... They, they kind of missed an opportunity, I think, to really play on the the secretiveness. And, like, one thing about a Romulan ship, I would think that the captain would want to be at the back of the room oh, with their back to the wall or the door to where nobody could ever be behind them. I would, the, the captain, I imagine in my, in my head cannon, I imagine a Romulan captain would not want to have anyone have the opportunity to be behind them at any given time to, to maybe see over their shoulder to their screen or mm-hmm. to, Stab them in the back. See, I would know? I would say the same for a Klingon ship, because people move up in ranks by assassination. I yeah, I, I get that. But with Klingons, there's also the pride factor involved. That's of, true. Look at me, I'm up here. If you want the if you want the seat, you better come and take it. That's true. And even though, yeah, people can get behind them, they still have to climb up to that position. Whereas with some of the Romulan ships we've seen, they've been basically on the same level. It's been very similar to Starfleet ships with the captain's chair in the center, which, I mean, does make sense. But at the same time, I just, I feel that Romulans would be so secretive that there would be some sort of, they wouldn't want anybody to be behind them at Mm -hmm. any given time without them being able to see them. Like, I imagine, like, displays of like cameras or mirrors or something (laughs) of what's going on behind them or that the bridge would be designed in such a way that the only entrance was at the front and Mm. the captain's chair would be at the at the furthest back position of the that's the way i would design a romulan bridge is that the it would slant up to the back where the captain's chair would be up against a wall where there would be no entrance and the only entrances to the bridge would be lower and in front of where the captain is so that the captain would always be able to see who's coming and going from the bridge at any given time. That's just how I imagine the Romulan 
mind would would design a bridge like, okay, I'm the captain. I want to know who's coming and going from my bridge at any given time. Nobody can come in or leave without me seeing them. Mm -hmm. That's why I was a little disappointed in some of the Romulan bridge designs that we've seen thus far. um, Me personally, just based on what we're supposed to know of their psyche. Right. With the Klingons, you you do have that aspect of you never know if somebody's going to be coming for you, but they're also not supposed to be scared of it. You know, they're supposed to, you know, welcome the challenge of of somebody coming to get them. And mm-hmm. I think they, they exemplify that by putting them up so high. The, the captain's chair is up so much higher than everybody else's. Like, yeah, you could come up behind them, but everything's metal and they're all wearing boots that for some reason are also metal because the way they <laughs> walk, you can always hear them coming. Uh, nobody's sneaking up on a Klingon captain, that's for sure. <laughs> Indeed. No, it's a very interesting bridge design that kind of it doesn't exactly have the features that you mentioned that a Romulan ship should have but it has that secretive element to it which is the Jem'Hudar ships where we have the Vorta the only ones that have the view screens that are like Google Glass headsets. Yeah. yeah, the headsets that are... Yeah, and nobody else can see anything that's going on. They're just following orders. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah, that would make sense on a Romulan ship too, I believe. Um, having the captain be the only one who knows what's going on. I feel it was used well with the Jem'Hadar because yeah, you do have essentially this... I, I mean, for lack of a better term, there are slave rays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the Vorta are basically a slave race as well, but they're a, a higher tier of yeah. slavers because they're, you know, in charge of the others. So, yeah, I, I mean, it made perfect sense for them to be in that type of control. And, yeah, it would make sense, I think, in a Romulan hierarchy as well. I feel that the Romulans, while they're distrusting and dishonest and like their whole everything is about secrets, they're not as much about the control as the Jem'Hadar and Vorta are. So I, I can understand them not necessarily, you know, completely blocking everybody on the bridge from seeing certain things, but I still feel that the captain would have access to certain information that the rest of the crew would not. And again, if they Mm -hmm. were at the back of the room uh, with screens in front of them that nobody else could get behind, they would still have the potential to access their own information separate from what the rest of the bridge crew can see while still giving some access to the rest of the bridge crew because on the surface they act as though they're trusting of one another. That's that's the thing with the Romulans. They're so secretive and they're always so duplicitous. Whereas the Jem'Hadar and the Vorta, they were upfront about what they were. Right. These people are in control of these people, and these people are in control of those people. Like, that was the hierarchy, and everybody knew it. There was no surprise there. Uh, the Jem'Hadar knew that they were the fighters. The Vorta knew that they were in charge of the Jem'Hadar, but they did whatever the founder said. Mm-hmm. And the founder knew that they were gods. That's the way it worked. Um, whereas with the Romulans, I feel like there's this duplicitousness that... Or duplicity? I don't know. I don't know if I'm using words right here, but there's there's this kind of cloak and dagger thing going on where 
yes, the, the, the people at the top are in control, but they want the people under them to feel like they have a little bit of control as well, but they also want to make sure they know what they're doing at all times. Mm-hmm. So that that's why I think, you know, personally, if I were designing a Romulan bridge, that's how I would design it. It would be, imagine the Enterprise D bridge, but smaller and with the entire science tactical area removed and the captain's chair just right up against the back there okay. by itself. Yep. And then the second officer, and you know, first and second officer would be in front and slightly lower than the captain. Mm-hmm. And then your con and op station, all the sciences, everything else, everything would be in front of the captain. It would, it would arc out from the captain. It would, it would essentially come to, you'd have your view screen and then it would kind of come to a point, um, like a baseball diamond, mm-hmm. where captain's at home plate, and then you've got everything else with your with your view screen being, you know, your 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 batter's eye and your your home run areas and whatnot. That's that's what I'm imagining a Romulan bridge in my mind would be, mm-hmm. and of course sloping downward again, sloping downward so that again the captain is above and able to see everything that's going on that that's just my envisionment i guess (laughs) yeah no that uh totally make makes sense to me and uh if you're listening out there cbs viacom or viacom (laughs) cbs which whatever it is now (laughs) it's all disney (laughs) disney owns everything (laughs) let's see so we talked about our favorites. We talked about our least favorites. We talked about our favorite non-hero, quote-unquote, hero ships. Um, what else can we talk about here? Well, uh, how about this? We kind of touched on it a little bit with my uh, idea for a, a Romulan uh, ship, but mm-hmm. what would your ideal Federation bridge look like what elements oh. from if you were designing the bridge of your own ship mm-hmm. what elements from what ships would you combine to make your bridge or even if not using elements from other ships like how how would you design your bridge and why fascinating question the start the back definitely needs the master display of the ship oh yeah I, I always why, like why, that. Why does engineering only get that? The bridge needs that too. Yeah, but there there are some ships that have it, like Sulu ship that had it. Um, I want to say the Enterprise E had it. I feel like it did have a diagram. I don't know if it was the full schematic, like the same as in engineering, but yeah. it definitely did have. I do remember that it definitely did have a a, a ship diagram in the back. I would want a little emergency transporter pad somewhere just just in case so that you can transport off yeah even if the site is down for whatever reason you want an actual pad sometimes yeah and it's similar to the calvin pods that they have in the calvin universe where they use those pods to uh escape the bridge like little um, escape pods that they yeah. call Kelvin pods. I, I'm, I'm not saying that. I, well, I guess you would want access to those as well. Um, <laughs> I, I dig 
Captain Picard's chair from season two onward. I feel like I would want a bigger display, though. The control panel that he has just isn't big enough. There was that one episode where it was just him and Riker left on the ship and he had to he had to climb into ops to or to the to the con position to actually fly he couldn't he didn't do it from his chair yeah he had to get into the ops chair to do it so um yeah i, I can feel you you'd want to have those controls at your captain's chair in case you were the only one left and needed to do it one thing that was interesting about the nx enterprise mm-hmm. i believe they had in the back a little table like a little conference kind of table i believe it had did it did it not have like a schematic or a map or something built into it or was it just a display like could they could put anything on there i don't recall it's been a while since i've i've had that much faith in the heart (laughs) so let me pull up this so like there's like a whole area where they have like this table there is a uh, a screen in the center of the table that they could look at as well as some screens off on the sides. Okay. okay. Um, so they could change it. It wasn't just one schematic or something like that. They could put whatever they needed to. Right. I feel like that it was was good for that type of ship. I feel like that was kind of replaced with the conference, conference room. Conference room, yeah. Yeah, which allowed for more, obviously more people to fit in there as well as also being a place where they could host uh, diplomatic missions, but the NX-01 was not designed for that, so it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense for it to have that right there off the bridge like that. So I get that. Yeah, so I I think having that might be good for situations where it's not like we're getting around a table to have like this quaint conversation, right. but maybe like in the moment we need to figure something out. And we need, like, everyone, you know, front and center. I, I feel like that's that's a good element to have. Would you have it in the back, off to the side, like that? Or would you want to have that, avail- like, up in the front, like you were talking about the original Enterprise-D design uh, might have had? Yeah, I don't think I would want it in the front. Um, yeah. I, I, I think... I agree, I wouldn't want it there all the time when I'm, you know, normal operations. I want to I want to have it available but behind, you know, out of the way. Yeah, what what could be cool is we have like this uh plexiglass kind of separation with the uh system display on that mm-hmm. where people could go back into this like conference area still be able to see through the system display. Okay. Um, at uh, what's going on on the actual bridge while working in that area. Okay. I feel like that would be pretty cool. And we we've seen like that kind of plexiglass kind of thing. Yeah. In uh, alternate versions of the Enterprise D. Yeah, and, and um, they have those in the Kelvin universe ships too, don't they? Most of the huh. displays are some sort of. They're physical, but they're they're like physical holographic. You, basically, they're like they're like you said, like a clear panel panel on which 
a display is projected that they can use and that display can change depending on what they need to do, but it can also be seen through so people who are working on them can see what's going on in front of them, similar to what we see in Discovery, except those are almost all completely holographic. Right. So I, I think I understand what you're what you're saying is like, you know, have that partition that most of the time is just your schematic, but behind that there is a, a work area mm-hmm. that people could be could be doing stuff if the need arose. Yeah. Okay. I think that'd be cool. And I I think everything else would be pretty standard. Your your standard stations. I think ops and helm should be in front of the captain um order doesn't really matter to me yeah i've never really cared whether you know ops helm left right that that doesn't make a difference to me yeah and yeah and then you have the stations along the the sides of the uh of the bridge Uh so you go for more for more displays on the side or Mm. yeah okay Mm -hmm. all right yeah how about you? Um, so, <laughs> I haven't given this any thought at all. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, first. <laughs> um, no, seriously, though, in seriousness, I would go for it. So, the bridge itself would be kind of a, a, a I would call it a stunted teardrop shape. <laughs> um, so, the, okay. the back of the bridge would be rounded, and then it would kind of, it, not a perfect circle, mm-hmm. but more like a, a teardrop, but not coming to a point obviously, because it would be cut off by where the view screen is. So almost Uh, like a egg shape. Yeah, a little bit. But again, with a, you know, you'll, you'll ultimately have that flat edge or mostly flat edge. It might be slightly rounded depending on the positioning of the bridge too, because I prefer my bridges on top of the, the ship as opposed to on the bottom. So that affects the shape Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I do like the idea of the view screen also being an actual window Uh-oh. onto which displays can be projected, more like discovery and, and and that type of thing. I do like that. Okay. I like the idea that the that the that the display is not just a display, that mm-hmm. it's a window you can just literally see out into space, but then you can also put displays up on that as well. I I, I dig that. So I'd have this this teardrop shape and very uh, similar in the very back to TNG with the displays. I would increase the amount of displays and stations that were available, but I would keep the the type of seating that could be tucked away. So it, mm-hmm. you know, if not being used, there's no chairs in the way for people to trip over or whatever. But when people need to use those stations, there's a chair available for them. Except for Wharf. <laughs> he's a clown you like standing anyway um i would it, there wouldn't be as much space i would still have the tactical station behind the captain there okay uh, in that same type of position as um as the the enterprise d except it would be more compact and mm-hmm. not the enterprise d i love the with that horseshoe design but if you think about it, that is really a bad design for a tactical station because you have some of your controls. As the controls go out to the side, they're getting further away from you. Mm-hmm. You want your controls to be compact. Your tactical station ultimately should be very compact. It should be 
right there. You should be able to use it very easily without having to move around a lot because you have to do it quickly. Mm-hmm. Your tactical station should be the most compact station I think you have. Well, one of the things with with that uh, station is that is probably also security. So yeah. not only weapons systems, but also internal sensors and things like that. And absolutely, you'd have access to, to that sort of thing as well. But I would definitely have, instead of completely rounded, there would be a station at the back there that was uh, essentially flat or even curved in towards the person working it so mm-hmm. that they have more access to the stations, even if that cuts in a little bit to the rest of the, the shape. And then, again, I, I really like the idea of having the captain and the first officer, and I would have this, I never understood why the second officer of the Enterprise D was at ops. Mm-hmm. I would have the, the first officer and the second officer would be my right and left hand people. They, they'd be right there, and I'd want them right there next to me, if I were the captain. I, I'd want to be in center, of course, because I'm the captain. Duh. But <laughs> I, I want my team right there next to me, accessible to me at a moment's notice, and I don't want them to feel that they're that much lesser than me. I don't want them separate. I don't want them far away. Mm-hmm. I, want them, I, I want to be able to reach out and like put my hand on their shoulder and be like, hey, can you help me out here? That type of thing. So that I, I want to keep that aspect but I want to keep the extra chairs that they just had on the Enterprise D for like random people to come and sit down right next to the captain. It's like, okay, that that seemed a little extreme. That was like, okay, well, what are you doing here? Like how how why does why does Dr. Crusher just come on the bridge and just sit down? Like what is that about? Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of a leftover of that conference area. Okay. Yeah, it's like, okay, there was a little too many seats there. Yes, I want my, my people right there close to me. It would be a little more compact than the D, but not as compact as, like, the original and the A, where everything was, like, so tight in. Mm-hmm. I would have it a little bit more open. I definitely want to have that space. If I'm the captain, I want to have that space to walk dramatically towards the view screen when I'm talking to somebody in another ship. You need to You need to have that space, but not... You don't need a ton of it. Mm-hmm. And then, again, the the ops and con stations definitely like to have them in front where the captain can see them. But also, I, I do like the separate con and ops stations as okay. opposed to the one station combined with two chairs. Right. Some right. of the shows. And I definitely don't want any of this uh, Voyager business with just the one station <laughs> right in the front. Because I'm like, if there's only one station right in the front of the ship like that, that should be the captain's chair. Like, if you're right in the front of the bridge in the dead center like that, yeah. you're running the ship. What is that about? Know what, what other ship had just the one helm station? Hmm. The NX-01. <laughs> How the Constitution class ship had that, like, little radar thing. Mm-hmm. So in that one arm that kind of connected the station to the floor of the NX-01. It had that, like, little radar thing. I've lost the beeps, the creeps, and the sweeps. <laughs> oh, <laughs> such a good movie. <laughs> and Tuvok was in it. Oh, yeah, he was. He ain't found <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the one bleep in the uh, episode. 
Oh my gosh, I am I am so excited. I'm I'm going to Phoenix Fan Fusion this uh-huh. year, today, and Tim Russ is going to be there. Nice. That is uh, so exciting for me. Also, um, Janeway is going to be there, so that's that's cool as well. And uh, Saru is going to be there. Oh, nice. So, yeah, Doug Jones is going to be there, and yeah, it's they're they're getting quite quite a group together. They they tend to do that. They Phoenix is really good about trying to get groupings of people. Mm-hmm. Several years back, they managed to get most of the TNG bridge crew. They had everybody, I think, except uh, Frakes and Stewart. They had pretty much everybody else. They had a big group of them, and they had a, a good panel. And it was great, too, because um, Spiner does an amazing Patrick Stewart impression. <laughs> it is fantastic. Because uh, Stewart had been invited as well, and he had originally said that he might be able to make it, but then he ended up he was doing something else in England at the time, so he couldn't he couldn't come. So there were some some of the pre-established questions had been directed at Patrick Stewart, and they were like the moderator was looking at this like, oh okay, this uh, oh this question was originally for Patrick, but he's not here, so I'll move on. And Spiner's like, I'll answer that for him. And, <laughs> So they asked the question, and he like gave this just ridiculous answer in a perfect Patrick Stewart impression. It was so fantastic. It really was a it really was a great show. But the year after that, they had like six or seven people from Babylon Five oh. all together. So they're really good about getting these groups of people together, and uh, and having like a, a group of people from one show or one fandom together at the same time. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they've got Tim Russ and they've got uh, Kate Mulgrew, I'm wondering if they're going to be more uh, Voyager guests uh, announced as it comes closer. Because that's the way they do it. They raise the prices as it gets closer to the show. But Mm -hmm. as it gets closer to the show, they announce bigger and bigger guests as well. I see. So, you know, to kind of like tease you into like, oh, you should have bought your tickets earlier. Mm -hmm. But... So we've already got Tim Russ. We've already got uh, Kate Mulgrew. We, we've got Doug Jones, not Voyager, but he has Trek. I'm wondering if we're going to get anybody else from Voyager to to make like a group panel and photo op and stuff like that. I know uh, Robert Beltran's been there a couple of years, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's there. I mean, whatever, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he turns up. It would be awesome... If they got Jerry Ryan, I don't know if they can do it or not, but it would be awesome. Right. With, you know, with Picard and everything, I don't know that they can, that they can afford her, (laughs) honestly. Right. uh, Being that she's working currently, but it would be interesting to see, I'm waiting to see what other Trek guests they announce because I'm I'm looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, I'm thinking that the Spaceballs, cosplay quota is going to go up significantly now that Tim Russ has been announced as a guest. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to see a lot of Spaceballs uh, cosplay, which I am in full support of. No doubt. Uh, a good Spaceballs cosplay. Yeah. So there was a, a great barf at the great Philadelphia comic-con that I went to last year. Oh really? It was, Oh man, I, I, I did a double take. I thought it was him for, I was like, what the, Oh, it was fantastic. It was a great barf, but yeah, so, back to the point, that would essentially be my bridge. A, okay. a, a slightly more compact version of the Enterprise D with 
a little bit more control at any at everybody's fingertips, but I'd want to keep that air of uh, welcoming. I, I want it to be a place where people, you know, people got to spend eight to twelve hour shifts there. I want it to be a place where they're comfortable doing that. Right. Um, we were talking before about one of the things one of the things that brought this uh, this topic on was the fact that I got a a phone case for my phone that's uh, a wood phone case. So I've got the kind of juxtaposition of the high-tech touchscreen, you know, super phone, whatever, and a nice classy walnut case on it. And that's kind of like the Enterprise D with the, you know, yeah, it's a high-tech starship and everything, but we have these nice wood and leather accents that kind of set it apart from other more stark and uh, minimalist starship designs. Mm-hmm. So I'd want to keep a little bit of that. Not not as much as the D, but but very similar, I think. Yeah. Okay. I'd serve on that ship, even with the window view screen. <laughs> You're not, not a fan of the window view screen, huh? Uh, I'm a traditionalist, I think. I definitely am not going with a holographic view screen. <laughs> but... Um, now, would you prefer for the bridge of your ship to be? I know some people. This is a this is a point of contention for some people as well. Like traditionally, the bridge of the ship is either the very top or the very bottom of the the saucer section. Most most Starfleet ships have some sort of saucer section, whether it be elongated or, or whatever. Right. Now, would you prefer to have your bridge more centrally located in the center of the ship? To where it would be less likely to be one of the first things hit <laughs> more in protected a firefight. I think I'm more of a traditionalist when it comes to that with the Starfleet design style, even though it's So you would still put it on the top or the bottom? I, I would still put it on top. I would, the... I would put it on top. It has to be on top. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going with the classic naval design of uh, of a ship, I mean, that's where the bridge is is the usually the highest point on the ship. Other than the, you know, if it's a sailing ship, obviously you've got the masts and whatnot. You're not putting the bridge up there, but the highest point of the main part of the ship, essentially. Right. But if you're looking at it from a safety point of view, ultimately, I, the safest point for the bridge to be would be the center of the ship, whether that be the saucer section or like basically where the battle bridge is located in mm-hmm. the enterprise D would be the perfect position for the actual bridge to be. Right. If you're looking at it from a safety perspective, because it is literally the furthest away from any edge that it could be. But that's, that's not the way a bridge works. And, and that wouldn't work for me because I want the window window slash view screen i don't want just a view screen which if my bridge were in the center of the the ship it would have to be just a view screen it wouldn't have a window Mm -hmm. when i was younger i would design starships one of my ship designs had a bridge module that was more of like the interior would be like a bridge a traditional bridge but the exterior of it was more like a runabout. So it could detach and warp out of there. Get the heck out of Dodge. Yeah. See, I, I was just thinking, I'm like, what if you put the bridge 
on the captain's yacht. And if <laughs> if mm. the if the poop hit the fan, you're just like, okay, peace out, guys. <laughs> you detach and you go. You don't have to to transport anywhere or walk anywhere. You just you're you're in your escape pod already. Right. I, I like where your head's at. Uh, that's good thinking. Yeah. Ultimately, it really depends on whether you're designing a ship during a time of war, whether you're designing a ship during a time of peace. Mm-hmm. You know that really makes a big difference in your ship design and your bridge design. And that's one of the reasons, again, I really love the Enterprise D is because they designed it in a time of peace, in a time of exploration, but with the knowledge that at any point things could get hairy. Mm -hmm. You know, they had the ability to separate the saucer section and be like, okay, all the non-essential personnel can go in here and just be left somewhere while the main part of the ship goes and does some fighting. And the battle bridge was designed as a battle bridge, whereas the the main bridge was designed as more of a a comfortable place to be. Mm -hmm. So I really felt that just overall, the designers of the Enterprise-D did just a fantastic job uh, Mm -hmm. all around in... In everything they did about that, the design of that ship, I just I really love that ship. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm biased. I I love the Enterprise D. I always have, and I think I always will. But I I feel like it's justified because I feel like the designers really did put a lot of thought into the design, not just about making it look good, but making it fit the story they were trying to tell. Mm-hmm. You know, because I used to you know doodle starships and stuff like that when I was younger too, and my ships always ended up looking more like more like the ship we see in Picard now with uh, a lot of angles a lot of a lot of angles and sharp points and everything was every everything had to be you know triangles and, and and points and everything like that that was just where I was at in my head at that time so it really wasn't the same what I was designing wasn't really the same aesthetic as I actually liked right. <laughs> So do you have any more thoughts on Starship bridge design in the Star Trek universe that you think we haven't touched on yet? Well, the only thing that it's it's not a concern, and I know there's no actual reason to have such variation in designs of the bridges beyond we want something so that you know this is a different ship than the one next to it. But I always felt that each bridge should look like every other bridge. <laughs> I, right. I always thought that there was too much variations in the bridges. It, yeah, it is true. Uh, Starfleet, for some reason, each class of ship seems to have drastically different bridges. A lot of the same components sometimes from one bridge to the next. But yeah, there some of the, the bridge designs are wildly different. And yeah, I mean, from a visual a visual standpoint it's for us to be able to know for sure like oh this is a different bridge and also for us to be like because if they didn't if they did make it basically the same we'd look at them and be like oh you guys are cheaping out on the budget and just using the same bridge design over and over again so right yeah i guess either way you go people are going to complain yeah i mean there's there's going to be complaints one way or the other but i i understand what you're saying there should be some I think there there's a happy medium there. I mm-hmm. think you can design a bridge for a different class of ship that 
that uses some of the same components and some of the same basic design elements while moving things around slightly based on what that ship does. You know, a science ship, a, a ship that is purely science-based, that is not intended for exploration or battle, but is designed specifically to go to a location and study that location, will have a different bridge set up than a ship that's designed for battle, mm-hmm. which will have a different bridge design than a ship that's designed for exploration. Yeah, I, I feel that the Enterprise D, again, I go back to the D as being just a, a great example of a ship being designed for what it what its purpose was. It was an exploratory ship mm-hmm. that was designed for first contact missions and diplomatic missions, which is one of the reasons why the bridge and the conference room and everything else about it was designed to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Whereas with other starships, you don't get that comfort level because you're not having dignitaries from other species necessarily on board all the time. Whereas with the Enterprise, that was one of their primary missions was to welcome new species on board. And of course, you're going to want to have an atmosphere that they're going to feel comfortable and welcomed in. So you're going to have softer tones. You're going to have more space. You're going to have more comfort uh, you know, chairs that are softer and higher yeah. backed and things like that, as opposed to uh, more stark and more utilitarian that you would have on like a science vessel or right. something. You also have families aboard the Enterprise D. On the D, they definitely, um, that was that was part of the thing. It was deep space exploration. So you were going to be gone for long periods of time between shore leaves, between visits back home. So you needed a space that families would feel comfortable and be able to be. So there was the comfort factor there that other starships may not need. But you're you're right in that that doesn't excuse them from completely redesigning other ships. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to have a, I would expect a science vessel to have maybe four or five science stations on the bridge instead of just one or two. Whereas an exploratory vessel would just have a couple, mm-hmm. and a battle ship might not have any on the bridge. Like they, their science stations might be relegated to a different deck altogether. Like on the the bridge is just for business. Right. So I can I can excuse some of the changes to that degree, but some of the other stuff that they changed, it's like, yeah, you're just changing stuff so that we know it's a different ship, mm-hmm. and. I feel like sometimes they could have done that a different way. Yeah. So yeah. I, I feel you. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I get it. So you asked me to remind you what put your quantum state into flux. Oh, yes. Um, okay. So moving away from bridges for a minute, back to Star Trek Picard. Okay. Um, and this is not anything from the most recent two episodes that we've seen that we haven't discussed yet. We are waiting for Mr. Barry to be uh, ready to go to discuss those. This is something that I just recently, it kind of bugged me a little bit when I first saw it, but I kind of glossed over it. But I saw it recently brought up online, and I I saw that you had actually commented on a post uh, bringing this up, and it kind of, it just stuck with me, and it just gnawed at me. And I tried so hard 
to find a good canon explanation for this. And I just, what, what really puts my quantum state into flux is that I can't, and you know me, mm-hmm. I'm someone who is able to justify many <laughs> things uh-huh. in canon. You know, I, I, I will accept a lot of visual changes due to advancements in filmmaking, due to advance, advancements in current technology. Like, yes, I get that the Discovery doesn't have knobs and dials and paper printouts because, my God, that would look dumb on a starship today when we don't even have that, like, normally today in just real life. Mm-hmm. So I get that. And I'm willing to accept that the difference like, OK, yes, this happens 10, 10 years before TOS, but they, their technology looks more advanced. Well, yeah, that's because our technology has advanced differently than we thought it was going to. And movie making technology has advanced. OK, whatever. I can gloss over that. This is something that has been been bugging me for a little bit, though. In one of the first couple episodes of Star Trek Picard, we see Picard go to his uh, essentially safety deposit box. He goes into this uh, archive. That he's got some stuff that he's saved. And it's a, it's a great little Easter egg for everybody who's watched Star Trek Next Generation. It's a great little uh, tribute to some of the stuff that we've seen before. We see a King Klingon uh, Batleth and a Klingon dagger. We see a model of the Stargazer. We see the, I believe we see the Shakespeare book that uh, mm. Picard had in his ready room uh, on, on the Enterprise D through most of Next Generation. And we see the Captain Picard Day banner uh-huh. that we saw in the episode Pegasus. But as was pointed out online, the mm-hmm. banner is not exactly the same right. as it was in that episode. And here's what's. Here's what's been bugging me about it. Okay, so I could understand if it was... There are certain things that could have been different about it that could make me okay with it. There are some explanations that people even threw out online. Some people said, well, maybe it was a different Captain Picard day. They had one every year, so maybe this was a banner from a different year. Okay, but if that's the case... So so here's the... Well, let, me, let me backtrack a little bit. If you look at these banners side by side, the one that we see in Picard and the one that we have a very, very clear look at in Next Generation, the banners are almost identical. There are a few differences. There's a couple of names that don't appear on the banner in Picard that do appear on the banner in Next Gen. Mm -hmm. The P in Captain is a little higher in one than the other. Um, A couple of the planet decorations are missing. The material seems to be a little different. It seems to be on uh, more of a, a fabric, uh, like a tan, like just kind of a basic fabric or paper type of thing, as opposed to the uh, in Next Generation. It was obviously a silver metallic type mm-hmm. of, look like a mylar type of material. Right. So there are some differences. Okay. It's possible explanations for these differences. It was a different, different Picard day. You know, the one that we saw was one year there were, you know, Troy indicated that this was a annual event that happened uh, multiple years. So it's possible that they made a new banner each year with different things on it. Okay, but why would it be so similar? Mm -hmm. Why 
everything else be the same except for these slightly few differences. If it were a completely different like handwriting and everything, okay. But the fact that it was so close without being exact, that kind of blows that theory out of the water. I, the other theories, I, I believe there was a theory that uh, maybe he didn't keep the original banner and had it replicated from memory. Interesting. Which, that's honestly the only explanation that I can kind of get behind is just because, because like I said, everything is so close, yet not quite right. Mm -hmm. It just seems to me that something is off there. Like, uh, I'm thinking that honestly they lost the original prop and they had to create a new prop for the show. Which I get that happens, you know, who who knew when they were making that episode of Next Generation that that prop would ever need to be used again. Like, that's not Mm -hmm. something that people probably thought, oh, we better hang on to this for 20 years because we're going to need it. I'm sure that wasn't even in their mind. But the fact of the matter is we have easily accessible video evidence and I'm sure they have even more (laughs) video evidence of what this banner looked like, that they could have made a much more exact copy. So it, it does really beg the questions. Like, why is this banner different, but yet not different enough to explain it away as being a different year's banner? And like I said, when I first watched the episode, it didn't really bug me that much. But then going back and rewatching it and then seeing a picture online side by side of the two, I was like, Oh, why? Yeah. Like, feels why? Like, it, oh, there's... Did you see my, uh, well, you said you saw that I posted. Did you see yeah, what I, I posted? Yeah, I saw your comment on it, and that's kind of what, what set me off. It's like, I really hope that's not the real reason, because that would be terrible. Yeah. Um, I believe you had, said, you had said that they toned down, like, they, they took some of the elements off so that it would be cheaper to print... <laughs> On merchandise. Not that it'd be cheaper to print on merchandise, but just so that it would be clearer. Yeah, easier to print on merchandise. Or yeah. yeah, yeah. Which even still, not an acceptable excuse to for the changes that they made because, like I said, there's just a couple of names dropped off, slight changes in the positioning of a couple of letters, a couple of the little planets, which literally are dots. I mean, that can't be that hard. Mm-hmm. Just a few little things here or there that is just like, oh, man, why? (laughs) Why? They could have gotten it exact. They could have gotten it close. Or they could have made it obviously different. Mm -hmm. Like, if it was going to be a different year's banner, they could have made the general idea the same and then had completely different names on it altogether. But the fact that they had most of the same names in mostly the same places, right. that's what that's what put my quantum state into flux, is that I was like, wait a minute. They made it too close, but not close enough <laughs> right. for any explanation that I can think of other than the, literally the only explanation I can think of is that he didn't keep it, that he actually thought about it later and and replicated it based on memory or had somebody replicate it based on their memory and so it missed some things Uh, even with that i'm sure there would be photographic evidence somewhere well yeah he he 
was communicating with Starfleet headquarters right. on video with it right there in the background. So yeah. I'm sure that's recorded somewhere, right? Yeah, I'm sure there are, like, the teachers took pictures of the students in front of it. I'm sure right. that's, that kind of stuff still happens in the 24th century. Yeah, I, yeah. They, they always talk about the hollow recordings that they're making. Yeah. And like I said, you know, you even see a shot of him literally talking to Starfleet Command with it in the background, like it's there. So I'm willing to explain away a lot of little changes here and there, but that one, I can't think of a good rational explanation. Or in-universe. Yeah, <laughs> for that to be as different but as the same as it is. Because if it was, like I said, if it was more different, then I could accept the different year theory. Right. But it's too much like the one we saw for that theory to hold up for me. I, I feel you. <laughs> I, I feel you. There's no in-universe reason why it would have changed. <laughs> or, I mean... The only thing I could think of is, like, when the Enterprise crashed, it was damaged somehow, and they needed to repair it. But even then, that's that's a stretch. And it's just one of those things, like, it didn't, it didn't bug me when I saw the episode, even though I, I watched the episode several times, and somehow I was okay with it every time I saw the episode. <laughs> I feel like it's not something that you would pick up just a casual watch. I mean, casual. We're we're not just casual watchers of the show, but just like a a watch through, you're not going to pick it up unless you're dissecting every single frame of the episode. Right. And unfortunately, of course, somebody out there was, and then they posted it online. And when it, when you see the side by side, it's like, oh man, why? Yeah, because it's it's such a simple thing, I think, that could have been gotten right. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if there was a, you know, I, I just I wonder what the reason was, honestly, what the reason was. And I'm not even talking about in universe. I'm talking about what what was the reason in practicality, you know, because they yeah. obviously had access, just like the rest of us do, to the original images yeah, I, I I think my explanation of making it clear the image a little cleaner for merchandising, the printed on mugs and T-shirts and everything else that Star Trek dot com is uh, <laughs> is selling us, and I I think that is the reason why they did it. That all being said, and everything, it is the Captain Picard Day van banner available on a mug, because it is. I would probably I I might buy that. It is. Um, I I moan and complain like a like a whiny little brat, but uh, ultimately I think I would buy a Picard Day banner mug. Yep. No, it it, it most certainly is. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna pull that up. I'm curious as to. I so is that on uh, Trek.com? Yep. Shop.startrek.com. Let's hear. Let's, Not a let's sponsor. Be yet yet um we'll we'll see we'll see probably not with all the well, with all our complaining yeah but you know what though with all our complaining we we're still buying stuff from them so so it's not like it's true we're we're complaining but we're still 
we're still customers. Um, I'm, I mean, we're both literally wearing Star Trek hoodies right now. That's uh, true. Let's see here. They're selling it for fourteen ninety five. So is this closer to the original, or is it closer to the? So definitely, some of the the names that were on the lower right hand side are removed, so that they can put in the trademark and copyright info. So yeah, the first thing I noticed, like right off the bat, it's like yeah, you have the names, and and I I, I get if they're. For the purpose of the mug, I get the removal of the names for the trademark and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Okay. I get that. That doesn't explain why they needed to take them off the banner in Star Trek Picard. But one thing I notice is that the P in Captain. Mm-hmm. Look at the difference between the P in the Captain on the mug and the 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 one that's on the mug is definitely the one that's in uh, Star Trek Picard. That's definitely the same one we're seeing. The one in Pegasus, the P is bigger and is not nearly as raised from the rest of Captain as mm. in this new one. And again, we're yep. dealing with you know we have this silver material that we don't have in the in the Picard one. But then you have the exact same names in the exact same positions everywhere else. And I can understand for the merchandise, toning it back to make it easier, clearer, whatever. But having it that way, <laughs> it, it bugs me that they, when they remade it, they didn't, make it right because i'm looking at a picture here now that they actually have of the banner from the star trek picard prop gallery and yeah you can you can tell that it is completely it's it's a completely different banner it's Mm -hmm. not the same material there's again with the slight differences that's what's frustrating is that why are these differences there why i ah it boggles the mind but this whole this changing of the captain picante banner that's where i draw the line the line must be drawn here (laughs) no further uh it's just one of those little things one of those little things like i said it it put my quantum state into flux and i had to talk about it and, and and now i've done so and I will, I will probably uh, still buy this damn mug because <laughs> it's awesome. No, it is awesome. I mean, there's so much merchandise from from the show. There really is. They they every episode that comes out, it's like don't go to StarTrek.com to uh, to buy. Don't don't go to the shop at StarTrek.com um, if you haven't watched the most recent episode of whatever show is out currently, because there will be spoilers in the products yes guaranteed yes most definitely so mr dewey that's me if we were to look for you on the internet how would we find you i am available on most social media platforms at eric j dewey that includes the twitters the instagrams and the untapped um, you can also find all of our shows on the Four Eyed Radio Network at the Sasquatch Net, 
and on Facebook at just just search for Four Eyed Radio Network. Awesome. And you can find me on most social media networks as well by looking for at Nova Charter. And uh, Mr. Dewey, as always, it was a pleasure talking Trek with you. Absolutely. And I, and I can't wait to uh, to sit down with Mr. Barry as well and uh, talk about these last episodes of Picard, which I thought were fantastic. So hopefully uh, he'll be up and ready to go uh, sometime soon so we can talk about those. But uh, yeah, for an impromptu episode, I think this was fantastic. Uh, I think we, we got a lot of good content out of a uh, pretty much drawn out of a hat subject. Indeed, indeed. But there's so much to talk about in the Star Trek universe. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I would love any anybody out there, whether you're a designer or not, whether you consider yourself an artist or not, I would absolutely love for you guys, our listeners, to design your perfect Starship Bridge whether it be Federation or Romulan or Klingon or Ferengi or whatever you want, I would love it if you would sketch your perfect Starship Bridge and send it to us. You can find the show online at SF Escape Pod on Twitter and Instagram. So hit us up either personally or at the show page and uh, show us your sketches of your perfect bridge design all levels of artistic competency welcome (laughs) trust me if i tried to sketch my bridge design it would look like a third grader uh (laughs) did it while asleep so while attending captain picard day (laughs) yeah exactly It, it would not be good so I'm not I'm not asking for perfect art or anything like that. Uh, I just I'm very curious to see uh, what you guys would come up with. So so hit us up, share that with us. We'll share that out as well. And uh, I, I'd love to see it. I and uh, definitely share with us your reasons behind your designs. I, that's even more intriguing to me, I think, than the designs themselves is um, the reasons why people would want certain things in certain places and certain shapes and that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm very curious. I hope some people uh, take us up on that and, and share with us. Yeah, that'd be awesome to see. And until next time, everyone out there, live long and prosper, and thanks for listening. Peace and long life. Thank you for listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can find us on the web at sfxscapepod.com on Twitter and Instagram at sfxscapepod and on facebook.com slash sfxscapepod